many of us go into marriage filled with excitement and we all have expectations. We, we know what it's going to look like from a day-to-day basis. I think I went in with pretty low expectations. I remember before we got married, Dina and I were sitting around. I was just, I was zombied out. I was so tired. So I'm sitting there just kind of comatose on the sofa and she was on the other end of the sofa kind of stretched out and she looked at me and she shared with me about this later. She looked at me and said, yeah, there are going to be nights like this. I'm good with that. So when she shared that, that freed me of all sorts of expectations about what was, what was it going to be like when we got married? A lot of boring, comatose moments. <laughs> sloth I have not failed behavior. to deliver. I'm just saying, <laughs> truth in advertising. <laughs> we're going to call you sloth. If we're not yeah. careful, we're going to have unrealistic uh, expectations. You're going to be set up for disappointment. We're going to talk about that today on the podcast. I'm John Fuller, along with the, um, I don't know, the troll, Greg Smalley, and his wife, Erin. <laughs> You've got words for me every time, Greg. I love you for it. I love your, your sense of humor. Well, Gary Thomas is uh, a good friend of the ministry. Uh, he's been on our broadcast a number of times, and he spoke to Jim Daly and me at a couples event we had here on the campus. Let's go ahead and listen in. Okay, you've written this wonderful book, uh, A Lifelong Love, but I got to get right to it. You admitted that when you first got married, you did it for all the wrong reasons. I think I know what that means, but you said it was all selfish. It, it was. It was a shocking time of prayer for me when I was just asked, I believe by God in prayer, why did you marry your wife? And there were a lot of reasons for me to marry someone like Lisa. She had so many good qualities. I Loved the way she looked. I thought she would be a great mom. I liked the way her mind thought. Um, I knew she loved the Lord. And I was like, well, she's this, this, and this. You know, you should have started with that one. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just saying. But, But it hit me that in many ways, I got married to Lisa because of everything that I thought she would bring to me. I thought I would have a better life if I could get Lisa to marry me, or if I could get Lisa to marry me than someone else. And while we all kind of make those decisions, it was just shocking to realize that it was selfishness that was moving me into marriage when I believe God designed marriage to pull us out of our selfishness. Yeah. Um, I think that's pretty normal for most of us, though. I think that's how we start. You know, we notice somebody that we're attracted to, and then it moves from there. You used a term in your book called spider spouses. Yes. Yeah. So that sounds a little creepy. Well, yeah, it is. <laughs> What's it is. a spider spouse? Think about how nefarious this is. That this spider constructs this web for one purpose, to catch victims and then eat them. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's, that's what And it what's is. the analogy to marriage? I'm <laughs> yeah. sorry. But, but in some ways, we construct these webs. How can I look mm. attractive? How can I do this? How can I get you to consider this? So that then I can go and you can meet all my needs and I can feed off you. Feed off your affirmation, feed off your wealth, feed off sexual interest. I mean, there are a lot of different reasons that move people to get married. And that's, it's really a, a disgusting picture to show our selfishness for what it really is. And again, if God's agenda in marriage is to pull us out of our selfishness, whatever led us into marriage, we have to realize, okay, if I want to go God's pathway into marriage, I've got to stop being a spider spouse. I've got to look at marriage from an entirely different angle, not to be a spider, but to be someone who blesses my spouse. Yeah, that is so good. You you go on to say in the book about 1 Corinthians 13 that that's the marriage passage. I think many of us know that passage, but what stands out in 1 Corinthians 13 for you? 
Well, how so often when people come into me for counseling, they don't realize how they are directly contradicting what Paul tells us to do in 1 Corinthians 13. Love doesn't boast, and they boast about how they're the better spouse. <laughs> Love keeps no record of wrong, and the wife will say, do you realize when he was in college, he got fired from Taco Bell for this, and he got kicked <laughs> out of school for that, and he got that, okay. And if I would just read 1 Corinthians 13 right there, they go, oop, because they're coming here with all the things that their spouse doesn't do, and I'm saying, well, yeah, you're that's true, and you're not doing anything that Paul describes as love in 1 Corinthians 13. And that's really what we look at marriage as, is that it's not that one person is right or wrong. It's how marriage helps both of us become more right, more loving, fulfilling 1 Corinthians 13. Because I don't think that most of us get married with the agenda that God has. And if I could just add on to when I got married selfishly, the other thing I think was so wrong when I got married is I thought my greatest need was to be loved. I loved movies, I loved pop music, I loved novels, and every one of them were in agreement that that was what was be fulfilling. I had to find that love. That was my greatest need. And I believe that God would have told me, no, your need to be loved has been met perfectly in the person of mm. Jesus. No one can love you more than I've loved you. I died for your sins. I've given you my spirit who comforts you, who convicts you. If you start to do those stupid things, makes you miserable so you turn around and come back. And so if, if you were in Christ, I don't believe your greatest need is to be loved. Your greatest need is to learn how to love. Well, that's a big paradigm shift. Oh, it was months for me. It's like one of those things God dropped in, and, and I really struggled with it for months. But then I, I put in the scripture. I don't want people just to take my experience. There are so many verses that say love extravagantly. You love you the love you have for everyone should be increasing. Love even your enemies. There isn't a single verse that says... To be fulfilled, find a romantic partner who will love you like you've never been loved before. <laughs> so I think the silence of Scripture is very loud, and the overwhelming witness of Scripture is you need to learn how to love. I didn't get married for that reason, but I believe God wanted me to get married for that reason. And I grew in my appreciation and satisfaction in marriage when my agenda began to align with God's. Gary Thomas is such a great communicator. He just brings truth packaged in a way that I want to listen to more and more. And Greg, uh, congratulations. You and Aaron just celebrated 30 years. Hooray! Thank you. Roll the sound Big effects. Milestone, right? And uh, our theme this month is indeed what you just said, uh, Greg, milestones and anniversaries. Aaron, over the years, how have you, um, bouncing off what we opened with, how are you adjusting your expectations, or how have you had to adjust your expectations? Well, I was smiling when you were talking earlier because I remember thinking, oh, Greg's going to know how to do all this conflict, like how to manage conflict. and yeah, know, he's, how, he's, he's Greg Smalley. Yes, he he's going to know, and believe me, exactly. within... <laughs> our first flight on our way to our honeymoon, I was sorely disappointed because I realized that wasn't a fair expectation that he was going to know how to do it, all of that. Well, on, in that same moment, my expectation was that my wife would always be by my side supporting me. <laughs> my brother, as a joke, had put something inappropriate into my carry-on bag. As we were boarding, getting in line, it oh, fell out. Oh, like I mean, it was. I won't say what it was. Yeah, I, but I, I, pictures. Just, yeah. just imagine what you think it might be that my brother would put in my carry-on bag. It falls to the ground, oh. and I'm staring at this <laughs> thing, going, 
where did that come from? People are looking at me, and I kind of reached out to grab Aaron's hand, like, well, at least we're together. Maybe they'll think it's hers and not mine. And she was gone. Nature yeah, was the minute I saw it, I was like, I she don't know what that there. is, but I'm out of here. <laughs> Hours so, it took for her to leave. I so, that was laughed it. So, that's, so hard. So all you the way. laughed, and you were yeah. embarrassed, and this was a conflict in the making. And it was a, a moment that I realized that not every expectation probably is realistic. <laughs> okay, well, I guess that's the end of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but I'd say what's important is that you talk about your expectations, especially season to season. Because you know, that's really good. Why, why season to season? Because what I needed as a new bride is so different than what I need 30 years later. Hmm. 30 years later, as you know, a seasoned female wife, um, working more and you know, not as many children at home, although right now we have all of them. Um, that really I need different things. And it's funny because we will even look at and reflect on like what Greg used to do as far as involvement with doctor appointments with the kids or driving kids and on and on. And it's actually increased now that we're down to one at home. And it's, it's funny because I need that now. Like the expectation is that he's going to help out more in those arenas and not that, I mean, I, I just didn't need the help because I was home back in the day, Mm -hmm. but today it looks different. And so it's just continuing to navigate. What do we need today? We're both changing. We're both evolving. What is it that we each need season to season? Yeah. I think for me, it's, I think after 30 years of marriage, I have a pretty good sense now of what it means to function as a team. And I think for a lot of couples who start off in their relationship, they're expecting almost that we'll function like a team where research wise, it takes about seven on up to 14 years before that couple really is operating Mm. is a well-oiled machine, a a real team. But I think for us, like I get that, like I get now within my marriage that, that as we're, whatever we're thinking about, that, that I naturally go to a place of would Aaron want this? What would Aaron think? I need to check this out with Aaron. And so it's just easier the longer you're married just to really learn how to function as a team. So that really helps with expectations. Yeah. And I'm going to say the, the obvious thing here, and that is it's easier if you're communicating and being honest Mm -hmm. about it. Mm -hmm. If you're not talking, if you're not communicating about things, then change is going to happen and you're going to drift. So Really make sure you're intentional. One way to do that is to take our free marriage assessment. Um, It's going to be linked in the show notes. About a million people have taken this. It's a wonderful tool. It takes five or ten minutes. It'll give you some common currency, if you will, to talk through some things, and maybe it'll surface some expectations, whether you've been married one year or 30 years or 50 years. Yeah, it shows you where you're strong. It's your three biggest strengths as a couple, so keep doing that and make those even stronger. And then some growth areas that where we can then dig in to go, yeah, what would growth look like in this area? Yeah, mm-hmm. every couple should aspire to be growing Absolutely. all the time. This free marriage assessment is a wonderful tool. Uh, did I say it's free? Uh, we're going to link over to it in the show notes, as well as we'll have uh, details about Gary Thomas's book, A Lifelong Love, which was the foundation for the clip we heard. It's available uh, to you when you make a monthly pledge or a one-time gift of any amount to support the work of Focus on the Family. We rely on your generous donations, so please pray about it, contribute as you can, and get a copy of Gary Thomas's book as well. 
We'll hear more from Gary Thomas next time. And for now, on behalf of Greg and Aaron Smalley and the entire team, I'm John Fuller. Thanks for listening to the Focus on the Family Marriage Podcast.